welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello and welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. This is episode 226 of the show, and we have a fantastic episode for you today in honor of Autism Awareness Month. You've probably heard around the internet that it is Autism Awareness Month, and we want to recognize all of the extraordinary moms parenting children who have autism. There's such a spectrum when it comes to autism, and it can make it a really difficult and uncharted path to walk down, but the good news is as more research comes out and more awareness comes about, there is so much hope for bright futures for these children diagnosed with autism. So today we're going to talk with one of those extraordinary moms, and that is Kristen Chillo. Kristen is the podcaster at Mama Be Well, and she's also an extraordinary mom of three kids, including her youngest, who has autism and was diagnosed about two years ago. Prior to her son's diagnosis, she was working on overcoming a challenge with compulsively exercising and being overly consumed with living a healthy lifestyle and things, and it was just taking over her life. So we're going to talk about how even when you're pursuing seemingly good things in life, if it's to the detriment of other aspects of your life, it's not a good thing anymore. And we're going to talk about how she got that more under control. She's just an extraordinary mom and so open about her motherhood journey and her life's work. And I can't wait for you to get to know Kristen as well. So let's get to it with Kristen Chillo. All right. I want to welcome Kristen Chillo to the show. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Jessica. How's it going? Good. How are you? Great. Where am I speaking to you from today? I'm in Boston. Oh, awesome. Very fun. I visited several times and just loved it out there. It's very cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm speaking to you at the tail end of winter, and I'm sure you're not loving living in Boston so much. <laughs> this winter's been pretty brutal, and actually, as we speak, there's snowflakes outside, just like a little flurry, but I just want to see sun. <laughs> no kidding. I bet. Well, we had an earthquake yesterday, if that makes you feel any better. Oh, no. Yeah, I was in the dental chair, and all of a sudden, yeah. everything starts shaking, and I'm like, Am I am I like nervous? But no, it was a five point eight um, earthquake, wow. like right off the coast of where we live. So there you go. Wow. So you don't have that. There's an upside. I know. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're each dealing with our own stuff, yeah. I guess, right? Yes. Well, we spoke. We just figured out that I spoke on your podcast over the summer, um, and yeah. that was a really fun experience. And now I'm excited to hear more about your motherhood journey. So for people that may not know you, will you just give a little background on yourself? Sure. So my name is Kristen, and I have three children, thirteen, a 13-year-old daughter, um, a 10-year-old son, and a 4-year-old son. Um, and I have a podcast called Mama Be Well, um, which was used to be The Everyday Woman, and I switched names. Um, and Jessica was on The Everyday Woman when it was then, but you can still find all the archived episodes, um, so they're still there. And I am a certified health and life coach. Um, however, I've just been switching over this past year um, – and I am a professional organizer as well, so I've just started my own business um, doing organizing for primarily moms and their families in their homes 
um, which kind of coincides with life coaching because that can be super stressful to come home to a mess. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I found that outer peace equals closer to inner peace, right? And so it all kind of ties exactly. together, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It really does. And it really when you come home to like the toys strewn everywhere and like dishes in the sink, it just kind of affects your mood and like the way that you uh, interact with people. So it, does. it can bring a sense of calm to have a clean environment. Sure. Absolutely. And were you always kind of entrepreneurial and industrial and always trying to like think of new things to do? You sound kind of similar to myself. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny because I was a nanny forever and, um, you know, after my third son, I kind of was looking to, you know, what what, what am I going to do with my life, basically, when mm-hmm. I grow up? Because I, I didn't want a nanny forever, and I had my own kids, and it was getting kind of stressful. So I um, had just had always organized for families that I worked for, and I never really thought that could be a, um, like, a career, mm-hmm. but... It turns out a lot of people are looking for that type of service. So, uh, yeah, I just I oh, I'm very creative and I have lots of ideas going on in my mind and I'm kind of a dreamer too. So I'm like, what can I do next? You know, that's awesome. What I love is that you're using the skills that you already have and you're already passionate about, and just utilizing that value to bring to the lives of other people who maybe that's not their strength, but they're so grateful for the strengths that you bring into their life to alleviate that stress for them. I think that's so so great. Hey everyone, so sorry to interrupt this conversation so soon, but I wanted to tell you about one of our show sponsors, and that is RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar. What does that mean? All the bars are made with 100% whole ingredients. All the ingredients are actually listed out on the packaging. Then, they went one step further and created RX Bar Kids because parents like me expect the same high-quality, clean-label nutrition for their kids that they eat themselves. So I can guiltlessly give them one for breakfast, stick one in their lunch, keep it in my church bag, and their flavors are delicious. Chocolate chip, apple cinnamon raisin, and berry blast are all delicious, except for Jackson, of course, always goes towards the chocolate chip ones. Go figure. You can find RX Bars at Target stores or for 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash EMP and enter promo code EMP at checkout. So give RX Bars a try for yourself or for your kids. And thank you so much, RX Bar, for sponsoring today's show. Alrighty, let's get back to my conversation with Kristen. And so tell me about early motherhood for you. You are in the teenage phase now, which I am not in yet, but how, let's go back first to early motherhood. Sure, yeah. What was that like? uh, So, yeah, so my my husband and I uh, started dating six months after I graduated college, and then... um, after that, I, you know, six months after we started dating, we found out we were pregnant. So, you know, motherhood kind of was a surprise to me and I wasn't really prepared for it. I actually found out I was pregnant when I was like 10 to 12 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't have that much time to kind of like plan and figure out what motherhood was all about. Um, so I was very young when I had her, I was 23 and, um, it was almost a blessing in disguise because I 
didn't have um, people around me that had kids, so I wasn't kind of comparing anything. And, you know, we I kind of made my own motherhood rules and, you know, guideline. Uh, so I feel like in a way, like being a mother now to a four-year-old, I feel like I was at an advantage back then because I didn't have like all this outside, she's doing this and this one's doing this and I should be doing, you know, this, that, that and the other. So it, you know, it was a journey for sure. Sure. Uh, but she is a little adult and she definitely, you know, kind of grew up with me in a way. And she's, we call her the most mature one in our house. <laughs> <laughs> so it definitely was good for her, I guess. Sure. Yeah. And, and sometimes we can be overprepared, right? So when we're constantly getting right. barraged with information and in even our own proactive research, we kind of get that that paralysis, information paralysis, where it's just like, yes. I don't even know what to do anymore. When really your mother's instinct is kind of your best weapon in motherhood, isn't it? Right. Yeah. 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 So I definitely got to use that a lot. And really the only advice I was getting from was my from my own mother. So mm. um, in a way, you know, that really helped me out. Sure. And then your second pregnancy, when you're a little bit older, you feel a little bit more prepared, like you know what to expect a little more. How did that that differ for you? Um, yeah, so my second pregnancy, when when we had our son, we definitely planned him. And, um, so I was, you know, I definitely learned what not, what not to do (laughs) with my first. So, um, and I was definitely more calm and it's funny their dispositions now, you know, my daughter is, um, very type A and a little bit anxious and like on edge. And my son is just super relaxed and chill. And so it's really funny because you can kind of see the kind of parent you were when they were growing up by their personalities now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's definitely more relaxed. And, uh, you know, I was also nannying with both of them. So I feel like, you know, motherhood kind of came natural and it was second nature to me. So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely was older and wiser. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, as they get older, they're playing together and you're like, okay, I can do this. I can do yeah. this. And then you kind of went through a hard season of some miscarriages. What was that time like for you? Yeah, we, um, so we, after my son was born, I really, really wanted a third and my husband kind of was done. And I just, had this feeling like a third one is in me. I have to have a third one. I just felt this strong urge. So, um, after a couple of years, I caved him into being okay with the idea of having a third. And so we were very excited to start trying and I had, um, suffered a miscarriage, um, when we first started trying. And then actually in a year span, I had suffered three miscarriages Um, and they were, they were pretty early. They were between nine and 12 weeks each, but it was still, you know, when you're trying for a child every day kind of feels like a year, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, um, that was a really hard year and, uh, it definitely pushed me to, you know, want a baby more and more each time. Every time I had a miscarriage, it was kind of like this solidification that I was to have a third and I, I knew it was like for us. So I, um, after the third miscarriage, I had some tests done kind of to figure out why this was happening. Cause my other two pregnancies were 
were fine. They were healthy and normal. Um, and I had found out that between having my second son and my, and, you know, trying this time, I had, um, developed a blood disorder, which, um, it was, it just basically means my blood is thicker and it can clot more. So it wasn't, um, I wasn't able to hold a pregnancy. Um, so in order to sustain a healthy pregnancy, I, I had to do blood thinner injections every day. Um, and it's, you know, there were many complications that the doctor tells you can happen, but I kind of was like, no, whatever we have to do, let's just do it. And, um, the pregnancy itself was extremely high anxiety. I was super nervous about my own health and about the, my baby's health. And, um, you know, definitely there's a sense of trauma after you have three miscarriages, um, you know, throughout the whole pregnancy, like is, is, am I going to lose this baby or, you know, what's going to happen, this unpredictability. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a hard experience and it was kind of, you know, not like my other pregnancy. So it taught me a lot for sure. Sure. And especially even just after one miscarriage, you think, oh, like I thought I've had two healthy pregnancies. So, you know, this is what I do. I get pregnant and I carry the baby. And then that first loss really had to rock your world. And then I'm sure the second loss really had, had you fearful. And so did it change the way you viewed getting pregnant going forward and, and just motherhood in general? I mean, it definitely brought a huge level of anxiety to mm. be pregnant and to try, keep trying. Um, and now it's, it's like, I'm totally done. I, I don't want to be pregnant again and I don't have any urges to have any more babies, but then I had such an urge to have a baby that it was just almost more frustrating. Mm. Like, why is this happening? Right. That is so frustrating. And for anybody that's experienced that loss, you know, whether they already have children or they're struggling to get pregnant for the first time, it's a baby. It's a baby loss, um, regardless of whether you have carried them outside in your arms or not, you know. And so I'm so sorry for those losses. Gosh, that that's a challenging, that's a challenging road. And so you did go on to have a healthy third baby. Um, mm-hmm. But following that, you kind of developed some new compulsive behavior surrounding healthiness. Tell me what you mean by that. Yeah, I did. I, um, you know, because of the miscarriages, I had found out this new blood disorder that I had. And I went to um, this doctor who was really kind of old and like he was almost retired and he just had a really not a great approach with me because he put like, he scared me to death. Basically. He was like, you can have an aneurysm at any time. You could have a stroke at any time. Like this is really, really serious. Um, and I'm an anxious person to begin with. So that kind of rocked my world. Like, Oh my goodness, you know? Mm -hmm. And he said, um, definitely like make sure that you're being healthy, you know, make sure that you're exercising and eating well and, and, and being healthy. So I took that and I ran with it. And I, I've always been kind of a straight A student. So I'm like, all right, if you give me a task, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. So I took that kind of that word health and I, you know, became quite obsessive about the food that I was taking in. I started running, which I never did before. And I got pretty obsessed with, um, you know, making sure I'm, I was running a certain number of 
days a week and a certain number of miles and um, came obsessed about like keeping my weight on, on track and at this certain point. Um, and so what happened, that lasted about a year and a half. And what happened was I realized that, you know, me focusing and being obsessed so much about my health um, in terms of like food and exercise, it was actually causing other areas of my health to suffer. Mm. Um, and so there was red flags started going up. I was, you know, I couldn't sleep, but I was like wired and, um, I was just miserable. I was a miserable person. And so the, you know, the healthy thoughts kind of, you know, clouded my mind and I was, focusing so much on it that I wasn't focusing on like other areas of my life you know for example like I have to work out today you know if I don't work out like I need to figure out a way to work out and what am I going to do tomorrow like what am I going to have for lunch like these are the thoughts that was going through my head and so that was kind of like taking away from pretty much my life um and my mental space and uh so you know about a year and a half into that I I just kind of thought I can't keep up with this routine for you know the next 10 20 years um is this really how I want to live is this really the person that I want to uh project to my family and my friends and you know do I really want to be miserable um because to be honest I hated running and like every time I did it I was miserable so I don't know why I was forcing myself to do things that you know made my sort of mental state suffer. Um, and so I actually started listening to like podcasts and, um, reading blogs on, uh, you know, the different approaches of health, like, um, being body positive and accepting your body and not being really obsessive about health. Uh, and so I definitely um, dove into that world, and I ended up getting my health coaching certificate after that um, and learning so much from that certification process um, that health really isn't just about your food and exercise. It is so much more like food and exercise is like 10% of your health. It is just so much more than that. And so I'm so, so thankful that I um, got out of that mindset um, when I did, because that was right before my son turned two. And, um, you know, that just opened up so much mental space for what was to come. Hey everyone. I wanted to interrupt just one more time to thank our second sponsor. And that is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a company that delivers high quality meat right to your door. This is how it works. You can choose from curated boxes, including a mix of high quality beef, chicken, or pork, or you can customize your own box. The quality is unmatched. All the grass-fed beef, the free-range chicken, and the heritage breed pork are all antibiotic and hormone-free, and so I can feel great about what I'm feeding my family. ButcherBox carefully curates the finest selection and cuts, and as they're delivered directly to your door, you cannot beat the convenience of ButcherBox. They come from humanely raised animals, and I just love that mission. So this is what you can do. For free bacon and $20 off your first box, go to butcherbox.com EMP and enter promo code EMP. That's butcherbox.com EMP and enter promo code EMP. I got my first delivery last week and I was so excited. I cooked up some of the steaks last night for my husband and he was like, where did you get this meat? 
this is delicious. And I got to tell him it's from ButcherBox. So thank you so much, ButcherBox, for sponsoring this show. All right, let's get back to the rest of my conversation with Kristen. And what I think is so incredible is that you were able to identify, here you are setting out, trying to do something that, quote unquote, is, is good for you, right? Exercising, being really health conscious. You're, you're seeking good things. But when you're seeing that the whatever you're putting so much effort and energy into is sucking you dry and making you miserable in other aspects of your life, that's a red yeah. flag. Because I would venture to say you were probably not the kindest, most patient mother during that phase. I know no. I wouldn't be. No, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't. And, you know, I mean, right. So there was so much on my mind. Like I was, you know, I had to – um, get my meals timed and like my, my exercise timed. And I was just like, whoever is in my way, I'm just gonna, you know, be a miserable person too, even if that's my kids. And I didn't have that sense of flexibility either. Like Hmm. it's okay if you miss a day of exercise, it's okay if you like eat cake, um, in the middle of the day, like it's really going to be okay. And so I had to, I, it's funny how we get into those um, patterns and then we have to kind of break free of that mindset. So yeah. And a year and a half of that is a really a long time of making yourself miserable. And so I think it's so important for moms to really look at their life and seeing, am I able to be the best mom doing what I'm currently doing? You know, it's great to work out. It's great to seek healthy lifestyle choices and food choices. And it's, those are all really good, good ventures. But if it's to the detriment of other aspects of your life, especially your children, when I bet you wanted to be a good mom, you want to be a good mom now. But if but if those things are eking in, we really have to reevaluate what you can do differently in order to be the best mom possible. And maybe it's working out less. Maybe it's shifting your mental space in terms of viewing how you work out or when you work out or why you work out. That's really captivating. Yeah, I definitely am, was not a happy person. And yeah. and after, you know, now looking back at it, I'm so much more happy. And, and it definitely reflects um, in my, you know, motherhood. Yeah. And do you feel healthy now? I do. I feel very healthy. I feel, I feel a sense of relaxation too. Like mm. I, you know, trying to be healthy um, when it causes so much stress and anxiety, that is when it turns unhealthy, you know, so so yeah, I would just encourage moms, you know, if they're trying, if, if trying to be healthy takes up, um, so much mental space and causes so much stress and anxiety, then, you know, it's time to take a look at like, maybe that's not so healthy. So yeah, I, f- I feel so healthy now and I, and I'm so relieved to not have to, you know, um, feel like I have to do a work at a workout at a certain time or like eat certain things. Um, I just feel so much more free. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Great job for making that progress. That is a huge undertaking. That's no small thing. Mm-hmm. And, and just as much as that was compulsive for you, there are moms that feel rejuvenated and like better moms when they get up early to work out and everything. So that's not saying that you should not prioritize fitness or health or whatever, but it's just looking at it holistically. Like, is this adding to or taking away from the happiness and joy and stability and patience in your home, right? 
Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, it's, is it adding or is it taking away? Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. 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 And something else that you mentioned was it was taking up so much mental space. And as soon as you got it back under control, where it was kind of more in the right proportions, you're able to focus more on your kids – you had kind of a life-changing thing that rocked your world with your son. Will you tell me about that? Um, yes. Yeah, so he was healthy at birth, and he was developing normally. Um, he, at the age of two, he was um, already talking. He was, you know, making sentences like, you know, I love you, Mommy. Um, Come here, Sophia. That's my daughter's name. He would say, you know, shout out all the Paw Patrol characters' names. He was... <laughs> very social um you know he would say hi to anybody who walked by so he was he was developing normally um and then around right after he turned two we kind of noticed that he stopped um he stopped responding to us when we called his name and he stopped looking at us when we were um talking to him and he his uh, speech slowly declined, like he wasn't saying as much. And so he had had a lot of ear infections in the first two years of his life. And we had thought that maybe he was losing his hearing. And so we went through lots of, um, you know, ear appointments and uh, doctor's appointments trying to figure out like what was happening. And so our pediatrician who now I look back and think she totally knew at the time but she had told us to go see the developmental pediatrician just to make sure um you know we were focusing in the right area and we kind of were like okay um and went in and had the test and and they concluded that he had autism uh which caught us extremely off guard. We were not expecting that at all. I had no idea what autism was at the time. And um, so he actually is nonverbal currently. He's four years old now, but he's still nonverbal. So I think the fact that he was progressing and developing normally until the age of two kind of threw us for a loop. And we were really, really confused at like, how could this happen? He was, you know, fine two months ago. And now all of a sudden he's not talking or responding or being social. Um, so yeah, that was, that took a while to digest. I think right after we got his diagnosis, we dove into the recommended 30 hours of therapy a week and, um, you know, just currently, like in the past year or so was when we kind of were like, okay, this is, you know, this is what it is. And this is going to be our life with him. Um, because I think that we dove so fast into treatment and what, like millions of doctors were recommending this and that left and right. So, um, we couldn't really process anything at that time, but it was definitely, definitely a shock. Sure. Yeah, it's hard to process the grief of the the future that you once pictured when you're just thrown into the routine, the new routines. I'm sure. Right. Right. We we just um, said recently, like it it is like grieving the loss of the kid that we thought he yeah. was going to be. So um, right. we've just recently sort of try trying to process that, but but it takes time. It does. It does. And I'm sure, you know, 
you're so grateful that that he has a future. It's just not the future that you were picturing. And you have to make space for the grief and that loss. And I'm sure as well, having it's one thing to have your child not reaching certain milestones and you wondering, huh, I wonder what's going on. But the regression, that has to have a kind of a different sting to it as a mom. Is that what you faced? Yeah, it really does. It really does. And, you know, you're kind of starting from ground zero at the age of two. Hmm. Um, And so, you know, it's definitely funny looking back how, how, um, how much I took for granted the milestones that my other two kids, um, had. And, you know, now we're celebrating him, like using his, um, his device that he talks on appropriately. And, you know, if he makes any new noise, we get very excited and we sort of celebrate that. And then, you know, it does make me sad when I look back and think like he was looking at me and saying, I love you, mommy, when he was two. And like, I don't know if he'll ever do that again. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I certainly wish I took more videos in the first two years of his life. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, the regression definitely stung and we still, we had to get past like comparing like, well, he used to say this and he used to do this. Why isn't he doing it anymore? Um, Mm. so, you know, that's still something my husband and I struggle with as well Is like, but he used to do it. What happened? And it's kind of this autism is, is weird in that way. It's like, you just there's so many answer um so many questions left unanswered and there's um you know people people don't know that much about it yet even doctors will tell me like we cannot predict the future and we don't know what's going to happen so that's kind of frustrating I'm too sure. but i have to be okay with like being flexible and you know yeah Absolutely. I have a friend um, who has a daughter with autism, and she calls all those milestones inch stones. So her daughter regressed as well. And as they're working towards regaining what she had and those skills that she once had, they just call them inch stones. So even the utterance of a syllable or a sound or a response or an, or a moment of eye contact, all those inch stones, it's like, yes, that's great. <laughs> but comparing them to their old self it's kind of like comparing yourself to your old self the postpart yes. you know prepartum and postpartum bodies you're just older and wiser and newer and it's just his his new version and it's and it's beautiful and it's every inchstone is to be celebrated that's true it is like comparing yourself to your old self <laughs> um yeah it everything's a milestone now it's it's actually pretty exciting in my house you know my kids now my older kids will get excited if he makes a new noise or if he like looks at someone for longer than two seconds yeah. we'll be like oh look what he did and um so it's it's definitely brought a lot to our household in a, in a good way well there's something so beautiful about recognizing those small moments because I think with the fast paced nature of of life and society and technology and everything unless there's a big thing that happens it takes a lot to get us really excited and jazzed these days but it's really taking your family and your home and your special space back to a simpler way of recognizing the beauty of each little thing and getting your older kids 
to really appreciate those small things, that's really going to serve as a gift for them, I think. Yeah, it already has. It really has. It's brought a level of humility and compassion to them uh, that I hadn't seen before. So it's definitely a blessing. And I, I honestly wouldn't change um, Giuseppe, who's my little one, for the world. Like he mm. definitely brings a lot to us. Amazing, amazing. Something interesting about him is that he tested positive for the autism gene, which I didn't even realize there was one. I know. It's <laughs> it's crazy. We I didn't either, to be honest. I, you know, when when a child gets diagnosed with autism, they're usually um, placed under a lot of different eyes. So they have a lot of different doctors and appointments. And um, our developmental pediatrician recommended that we get some genetic testing done. Um, And we live in Boston, so um, it's definitely like a research hospital. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I honestly didn't, put so much gravity on the genetic testing. So I kind of waited a long time to do it. Cause I'm like, that's not, we kept thinking that's not going to change anything. Like, and we don't even exactly know what that means. And, um, so, but we finally did it. And, uh, and then my husband and I got tested to make sure that, you know, we didn't have the same gene, but we didn't have it. And so he was tested positive. And so some of the, um, some of the things that go along with this gene are having a large head and um, it's also linked with uh, an increased risk of certain cancers and, and it's linked with autism. Um, so hmm. my son actually does have quite a large head <laughs> hmm. and, um, and so, so this is an answer for us, which you know, this just happened in the past couple of months where we found out he had this gene and, I feel kind of lucky that I have an answer because a lot of times children that are diagnosed with autism, you know, they're kind of left to thinking like, why did this happen and what caused this? Um, and so, and you hear some, I've hear, heard some stories of um, families that talk about how their son or daughter were diagnosed with autism and then they kind of grew out of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, like maybe he, maybe they were misdiagnosed Hmm. because with this gene, we know that, you know, he will always have autism. There's, he's not going to grow out of it. Um, but this is for sure an answer for us. Um, and it's called P10. Um, and it's a genetic mutation that happens, uh, in utero. So when the baby's being formed, it Mm -hmm. happens, it's nothing that caused it. It's just, um, just kind of a mystery, yeah, and um, does this gene change now that you know that he has this gene? Does that change the protocol for his therapies or the path that you're walking down in terms of of helping him with with his, with autism? It changes a little because it it changes in the way that it you know since it does have an increased risk risk of certain um, cancers, he definitely has to be overseen by a couple other doctors just to get yearly checkups for that to look out for that. Um, it definitely helps for insurance purposes <laughs> because mm-hmm. uh, it's a sure sign that he has autism and he needs sure. 40 hours 40 hours a week of help. And it's quite amazing how insurance is just so business and they kind of like, I don't know, they don't fully grasp the, uh, the amount of help that an autistic child needs. 
And so I don't know. So that's that's pretty much the only things that it does change. Again, they can't predict his what his progress is going to be. So, um, but it just gives us an answer on you know yeah. why he developed this, and it and it solidifies kind of that like he did regress because of autism, and it was nothing, you know. We had, we kind of always had in the back of his mind uh, of our minds like did the hearing thing have anything to do with him developing autism, you know, which seems silly now, but like definitely so many things go through your mind of like why is this happening? So sure, yeah, I'm sure it is nice to know there's something concrete behind it instead of just the we don't know why that happens. That's the right. hardest thing a doctor can tell parents. I'm sure, man. Well, how has this? changed your family we talked just briefly about your older kids and their response to those small moments and and celebrating his inch stones and and his development has this altered anything else in your family for good um it's definitely solidified our bond as a family and it's made us stronger and more connected to each other and just kind of overall looking out for each other and it's increased the love in our house tenfold and I just feel like we're, you know, we're finally solidified as a family. And for me, it's, it's for sure gave me more, um, flexibility in the way I think like I'm, I'm always preparing and I love planning and I, (laughs) I'm a type A person. Um, so it's just taught me how to be flexible and be okay with unpredictability. Mm. Um, and it's, it's brought me so much, um, like it's made me a calmer person, I think, um, just in motherhood in general, even with my other kids, you know, so I, I think that things that would have stressed me out before with my older two, like I kind of take a breath and I'm like, it's going to be okay. Everybody's going to be okay. Um, and it's put me at peace, like knowing that I can't predict the future and things are going to change and happen and I just have to kind of roll with the punches. And so, Hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. And now you're doing life coaching and this organization business and everything. Do you think all of this work on personal development has kind of been in conjunction in an effort to make yourself more whole and in order to better serve your family and, and the unique set of circumstances that, that you guys have faced? I think so. I think my training as a a life and health coach, like taught me so much about just being able to like have control over the way you think and, um, you know, how to kind of step outside the box of your own ways of doing things and thinking things. So it's brought so much to me and, um, even just changing, you know, going from nannying to doing something, starting my own business and doing something that I really enjoy doing has brought me a level of like, I'm doing something for myself and something that I love so that I'm able to come home and be a better mother and feel fulfilled and just all around happy so and it's definitely taught me all the areas of my life and how to kind of bring happiness to all the areas of my life and so it for sure has helped me out yeah that's so powerful I love that you were able to do that proactively for yourself and it's benefited not only your family but now you're able to pursue these passions in terms of a business and things like that. I think that's just so exciting for you, Kristen. That's that's great. So people check out your podcast, which is called What Again? 
It's called Mama Be Well. Mama Be Well. The B, the okay. B, B-E. <laughs> uh-huh, perfect. And what can people find there if they tune in? Um, so I interview someone every week um, about their struggles and how they overcame it. Um, I took a lot about health and a lot about life situations and uh, have a lot of, you know, experts in their fields come on and share their learnings and, um, and their stories of of how they overcame struggles and how um, the lessons that they can teach other women through that. I love that mission. That is so great. It helps so much to see, especially people that look like they have it all together and they're doing so great and they must not have any challenges or else how could they be doing so great? But really, it's just so much a matter of attitude and perseverance because we all have different challenges that we're facing at any given time. And it's just how, how you deal with it and how you approach it. Yeah, and so much good can come out of struggling or having, you know, hard a hard year in life or mm. or a challenge in life. Um, just through the women that I've talked to, like it's amazing to hear that you know their path in life have has really been directed by their challenges and struggles, and um, it's just made everything you know uh, better in the end. So. it's extremely hard when you're in the midst of a challenge or a struggle, but to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that this, you know, might be happening for a reason in the future, um, where you can draw from, draw from that and, um, sort of, you know, help other people through that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you are so awesome. Your strength and your perspective, um, is just such an inspiration to me today. And I just really appreciate you sharing your motherhood journey with us. Thank you. Where can people find you online? I'm at mamabewell.com. Perfect. And I'll link to everything at extraordinarymomspodcast.com as well. Well, Kristen, I always ask my guests one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? I would tell my pre-motherhood self not to dwell on the small stuff uh, because in a couple of years you look back and you kind of think, why was that? Why did I put so much focus and worry on that one little thing? Um, and things are forever changing to, so to make sure you go along um, with the journey and kind of be flexible and, and not kind of get stuck in one area where you're kind of obsessing or, you know, worried or focused. And um, yeah, I yeah. Would tell myself that. And I would tell myself that the best is yet to come. (laughs) Mm, That's a great tip. Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure getting to speak with you. You too, Jessica. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. I feel like I learned so much today from Kristen's conversation. I had no idea there was an autism gene, but let's just be clear that not all children with autism have the autism gene. It is just one marker for determining a child with autism, but there is a huge spectrum. Most of the diagnoses are based on symptoms and behaviors that are demonstrated, but it is so great during months like Autism Awareness Month where we are raising awareness. They are doing more and more research, so hopefully these families who do receive a diagnosis like this, they can get the help that they need and they can have a clearer path than maybe people 10 or 15 years ago who got that diagnosis for their child and they didn't have any idea what that meant for them or what their child's potential was. So I love that there's so much hope in this and I hope that we can continue to raise awareness for the bright futures of the children with autism. 
So I want to thank Kristen again for sharing her story. You can check out cute pictures of her family on the website, ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. And be sure to check out her podcast, Mama Be Well. And MamaBeWell.com is where you can find her as well. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 or on Facebook over at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Coming up this Friday, I have such a great episode for you. It is with Sarah McKenzie of the Read Aloud Revival. You may know her from her website, The Read Aloud Revival, or her podcast, and she just recently released her very first book, The Read Aloud Family, which gives you such a wealth of information, and this is what she's sharing on the podcast as well this coming Friday, about why to read to your kids, how to read to your kids, how to talk with your kids in terms of sharing family memories around books. Amazing, amazing, and she has a book guide in the very back of the book, broken down by age group and by interest amazing. I loved getting to know Sarah so much. You're not going to want to miss that episode, so make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.